Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. As you just heard, we're beginning a new series. It's a topical series, so we're gonna, we always root ourselves in a particular text. But we'll be looking at a, different, a couple of different texts through this series. But the series is called Breaking Through. And uh, here is the hope in this time is that really through looking at different topics, we just discuss what it looks like to break through the baggage and barriers associated with that topic and live into the freedom that Jesus Christ has won for us and called us to live in. And called us to live in. So you can see the topics on this uh, handout that we'll be going through. We have a, a number of our non-staff uh, pastors preaching in this series. I think it's going to be uh, powerful words. Um, and then we are ended, if you notice, the last one in the series is going to be breaking through the most segregated hour. And uh, that's when uh, it's actually on September 10th where we'll be celebrating our five-year anniversary as a church, which is crazy to think about. And prayerfully, we're going to celebrate that God has made us a multi-ethnic church. That's what we're going to celebrate. Uh, if you've been here from the beginning, you know this, is, this has been a prayer that we have always prayed because we believe the scriptures really teach it and command it and demand it and allow it. Um, but it has been something that we really have felt the Lord put on our heart in a special way. And so we, we took some unique efforts and intentions and we really called our whole membership to pray and to practice since March to really fight for us to be a multi-ethnic church by the end of August. And I can just tell you, because we are looking at the percentages, that God is on the move. And it's been encouraging. But here's what I want to say again. The, the, the goal, the prayer has been by the end of August. So I just want to encourage you. You know like the, the runner who's running the end? I don't know how about you. You long distance? Any, anybody long distance runners? I'm not at all. I'm like, give me, give me a good 40 and I'll, we'd be good. You know what I'm saying? Like just a quick race and I'll be straight. I ain't trying to run long. But, but at the end, what can happen is you could have expended all your energy and kind of give up. But really we're saying, hey, as August comes, can we, can, we, can we step on the gas and lean in and put our chest forward in hopes that God would really do this? And this, has been our, this is our prayer as a staff, that we would this month pray like we've never prayed and do like we've never done. I'm talking about inviting in a way we haven't before, showing hospitality in a way that's unique. And like, let's just let God do even more in the month of August than we've seen him up, we've done up until this point. Amen? It's cool. I just feel like God's, God's working. He don't need us, but praise God, he uses us in that we get to, be, get to be a part of that. So we're looking forward to celebrating that <clears throat> together on our anniversary service and then also talking about really what's next uh, for our church um, in regards to multi-ethnic pursuits and really just church life in general. Um, another thing in this series, if you look at your card, there is uh, some scripture on the back. That scripture is not just for you to read. That scripture is scripture we're going to be memorizing together corporately, which has been a minute since we've memorized together. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you this uh, Galatians 5.1, which we're teaching out of this morning, um, is due not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that. Yeah, I said do. Sarah's like, do? Like, it's cool. Some of y'all are already feeling traumatized thinking back. <clears throat> yeah, but, uh, and by do, I mean fight to memorize it, put it in your mind and heart, because we're going to say it together corporately on that day. And there is something powerful about just writing the Word of God on our heart and minds and knowing that we have this. And, I, and our prayer is, too, even after we look at the text today, that you're like, 
Yeah, let's, let's get this one stapled in my heart. <laughs> it's one I need. Um, <clears throat> so like you said, we're in Galatians chapter 5 this morning, and uh, it's just about freedom, family. It's about freedom. It's about, it's about, and this really the series is about it, but like about not being in bondage to the things of this world. I don't know what you got on you, but to walk into all the freedom in which Christ has won for you. Let me pray. Let me go before the Lord one more again, and then we'll jump in. Father, Lord, Father God, <clears throat> there is no one like you. There is no one whom we can accurately call our Savior, our healer, and our deliverer, and that not even be all of who you are to us. There are countless amounts of words that we could ascribe to your holy name, and none of them would sufficiently uh, describe your power and your grace and your goodness to us. We just want to ask today that you would expand our idea and our feelings towards you this morning. Show us how big you are. Any other lesser affection or idol that's up in our heart, we pray you just get in it and uproot it to where we can only really see you. We want that, Jesus, because we want to walk in all the freedom you've won for us. We've been praying this since we got here this morning because I just believe as we talk about freedom, the enemy and his attacks and his plans are just on the move. And he wants to, before we even start, throw barriers and obstacles to us living free. And so some of us, before we even got here this Sunday, something happened this morning as we were getting up or a thought that we're like, why is that thought in my head and plaguing my mind? Or why is that relationship soured and it's just in my heart right now? Or I just feel not seen at church and like, what is this place? Or we're worried about whatever that is. Lord Jesus, we just pray you would free us from it. And we would walk in new life in a new way. Jesus, 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 we just pray you would do all those things. In your mighty name we pray. <clears throat> all God's kids sit. <clears throat> Amen. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, it is for freedom. Everybody say freedom. freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Freedom is both the means and the ends of the Christian life. Paul says it is for freedom, ends, that you have been set free, means. That it's through Christ's work, his death, and resurrection that he has done away with the powers of sin, hell, and death means so that we through the power of the Spirit could live as free people ends. It's both the means and the ends of the Christian life. Tony Evans defines spiritual freedom like this. We have a quote for you. It says this, spiritual freedom is deliverance from the power and bondage of sin. Means so that we can serve the living God as well as his people. Ends. It is freedom from legalism and the control of the flesh. Means. So we can experience the substitutionary resurrected life of Christ. Ends. It's living a thank you life and a want to life with relationship rather than a have to life. Law. 
You want to live free this morning? You want to walk in the freedom that Christ has won for you this morning? Do you want to realize that freedom is not just what Christ has set you free from this morning, but what he's set you free to this morning? You want to live a thank you life, a get to life, a joy filled life, an abundant life this morning? I guess I'm by myself. Let me ask you this question. Are you living free? Are you living free? Not bound by anything. No one's expectations. No one's views of you. No legalism. No sin that's pervaded itself into your life and grabbed a hold of your heart. I'm saying, are you living free? Because Paul's writing this because he desperately wants us to. It is for freedom, ends, that he has set us free, means. So stand firm, the text says, and do not allow yourselves to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. There's this interplay between freedom and slavery. If you think about <clears throat> uh, freedom and slavery in our American context, it's common to think about the enslavement of African Americans. And if you think about the emancipation, the Emancipation Proclamation being the Declaration of Freedom, but later realized with the defeating of the Confederate Army to where freedom was now available. But the Union troops were stationed in the South to ensure that the freedom that had been realized was able to be fully exercised for about 12 years known as Reconstruction, where there was a time of, of, of quick kind of prosperity in the black community. But when the Union troops withdrew from the South, what was found out is that the powers that still this, uh, desired for African Americans to be enslaved came back. And so you saw the rise of the KKK, black codes, Jim Crow laws, and things like that. And they would, they would, they would put black folk in jail for petty crimes and loitering, things like that, only to then hire them out to plantations. And so here's why I say this, is although freedom was declared and then realized, it was only a few years later before many found themselves in chains. Let me make it plain to today. Our freedom has been proclaimed, and it's gone out across the cosmos. The gospel, the good news, has gone out, and we're free. It's been realized because Jesus Christ has lived a life that no one could live. He never erred. It was a perfect life. And because he lived a perfect life, he was a satisfactory substitute for our sins. He died on the cross realizing our freedom by dealing with the power of sin, hell, and death. But let me tell you something. Although our freedom has been proclaimed through the gospel and realized through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are still powers at work that desire our bondage. There's still forces at play that desire for us to live as slaves, although the legal document in eternity has already declared us free. That's why Paul says it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. So what's he say? Stand firm. That word stand firm is a military term. The idea is hold your ground. Dig your heels in. Contend 
against the forces that are desiring to move you. And he says, stand firm then. That word stand firm there is the same word used in Ephesians chapter 6 when Paul says this, when he says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There are spiritual forces of evil that although Christ has set you free, they want you to live like a slave. They want you to live in bondage to expectations, to finding acceptance, to situations, to all this kind of stuff. So I'm curious this. You know, I said, do you want to live free? But do you have the courage to maybe explore the parts of your life where you might be living like a slave? Paul says, stand firm. Do not. I mean, you got to think it's interesting. It's for freedom you've been set free. Yet Paul's reminding this church, stand firm. Keep walking in the freedom Christ won for you. Don't let yourself have that yoke of slavery on you. That's a burden you don't want on you. Don't follow that. That's a former way of life. Don't go back to that. And he's going to describe what it looks like to go back into slavery right here, verse 2. <clears throat> he says, mark my words. This is kind of like emphasis, you know what I'm saying? Like, like when, the, when, the, when the Bible's written, they didn't have emojis and exclamation points and stuff like this. So this is how they emphasize things. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that he's, he's trying to emphasize something. Look, that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Circumcision was something that Jewish Christians were encouraging Gentile believers to do. They weren't encouraging them to abandon Christ entirely. They were instead saying, can you just supplement your faith with this one cultural act? Because then you will be accepted into our context. So receive Christ plus circumcision. But what Paul's saying right here is that whenever you add to Christ, you always end up subtracting from him. Whenever you add to Christ in any place of our life, we always end up subtracting from him. And many of us don't even realize the kind of bondage and slavery we're living in because we're living Christ plus lives. Christ plus this group of people's approval. Christ plus health, wealth, or prosperity. Christ plus my boss saying this about me and, and looking at me with pleasure. Christ plus a spouse. Christ plus my kids obey me. Right? Christ plus my bank account is going up and to the right. Christ plus, but, but here's the thing Paul's saying right here is wherever you add to Christ, you will always subtract from him. If you allow yourself to be circumcised, what's he say? Christ is of no value to you at all. At, at all. That one little cultural act completely removes the value of Christ. That's what he says. And he repeats himself, verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. This is not what the Jewish Christians were teaching. 
They weren't saying you have to obey the whole Torah. They were just saying you have to be circumcised. But Paul is going in there and saying, but if you allow yourselves to adopt this one addition, you're actually obligated to the entirety of the thing. What one commentator says is this. He says that, that if the Galatians adopted circumcision, it, it was as if they were crossing a border into occupied enemy territory where the law rules. So although it felt like one small step, it was a seismic eschatological step in which they were moving from the dominion or the kingdom of light into the dominion of darkness where the law rules. He says if you let yourself be circumcised, you're obligated to obey the entirety of the law. Like, you know, we cross borders all the time when it comes to states. And maybe sometimes you cross a border and you're not aware of the different traffic laws in one state or the other. There's hands-free laws or different license plate laws or seatbelt laws. And they just enforce speeding differently in some states, you know what I'm saying? So you might be like, bro, I didn't know they enforce it like this in Georgia. You get a ticket down there. You're like, South Carolina, man, 10 over. That's not illegal, right? Like, that's, that's how it works. But if you can imagine not so much crossing a state line, but crossing a line into a completely different country. There is some line that has been drawn, and you take one step, literally such a small step, but as you take that one step across the line, you have entered into a completely new jurisdiction with new laws and governance and rulers and authorities. And Paul is saying, you are free but if you step over the line to add even a little bit to Christ, it is as if you have stepped into a whole nother category where the law rules. A whole nother category of legalism now. Here you are. A whole nother cat. Like he's saying you can't be mostly free and partly a slave. You either free or you, you, you can't be partially, and he's like, you say saying freedom in Christ, but then you're saying circumcision, so since you're doing both, you really a slave. You're obligated to the whole law. And here's the thing, if we're saying we're free in Christ, but then we feel like in our life we have to get this person's approval, or we have to make this type of economic advancement, or we have to get a spouse, or we, or we have to put this much distance between us and the sin, whatever it might be, we're actually declaring that we're obligated to obey the whole law. We're saying we're a slave. Is there somewhere you're doing Christ plus? We say we're free in Christ, but we wake up, and who's our boss? That morning, who are we working for? Whose approval are we trying to get? Whose acceptance do we need? What pleasure is just driving us? And we think we just need another hit, another hit, another hit of that. And really, we're a slave. He elaborates a little further, verse 4. <clears throat> he says, you who are trying to be justified by the law. So he calls it plain now. 
The first two times, he says, if you let yourself be circumcised, if you let yourself be circumcised. He's kind of saying, you, those of you who are just doing this one thing. But now he's like, I'm going to call it plain. If you're adding in one area, you're trying to find justification, right standing, based on what you do. That's what you're doing. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. That one little area of Christ plus this particular bondage has actually mean that you are of a different substance of Christ altogether. You're alien now. Because Christ don't work with works. You've fallen away from grace. Grace is over here. You're as far from it as you can be because your core motive is no longer Jesus. It's something else. Family, I don't know about you. But I just fundamentally believe that, and maybe it's because the waters we swim in and all the other messages we get, or maybe it's because of a longing from the flesh, but for so many of us, we have completely, I believe, just had scales come over our eyes, and we no longer believe the staggering promises and joys and goodness and freedom that is available for us in Jesus, and now we only think that there's some sort of, like, moralistic, therapeutic, like, like, like religious, religious, legalistic, like, part of my life, Christianity, because we have bought hook, line, and sinker some American Southern Christianity not off rather than the real thing. And we're completely alienating ourselves from Christ. Like, like the Christian life is supposed to be so different than that. But for many of us, our mindsets have just, we've grown like accustomed to and desire, it's weird I'm going to say this, but we've grown desirous of bondage. Because we're just kind of comfortable with it and it's what we know and it's what the world says. There's an author, Carter G. Woodson, who wrote The Miseducation of the Negro. He founded Negro History Week, and which later became Black History Month. <clears throat> he has this little piece, and he says, what's more effective in a negative sense than a lynch mob is to miseducate black folk to think that they are deserving of the back door. Because then... You don't need laws that enforce them to go to the back door. Their mindsets have been warped, so they will choose it. I believe for many of us, the bondage we are in no longer really needs to be enforced because our mindsets have been warped. And so now we are willingly choosing the back door. We are choosing to not be worthy we don't think we have significance or value. We think legalism is more comfortable or some sin is going to satisfy us. Because our mindset has been so changed and misshapen. Instead of letting it be renewed day by day by what the word of God says. Instead of seeing the great freedom that Jesus has freed us from and freed us to. Instead of understanding that grace is how we got in and grace is how we stay in. And so now life is all grace and all goodness. And that there is something to be found in the freedom that Christ offers that nothing else can give us. 
So he contrasts it, verse 5. For through the Spirit, we eagerly, everybody say eagerly, await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. So up until this point, he's kind of talking about what slavery is, but then he pivots in verse 5. And he says, but for us, if we really go and walk in freedom, we through the Spirit eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. He's like, there's another way to live. Not through works, but through faith. Not by the law, but by the Spirit. And now how do we get the righteousness for what we hope for? The freedom, even in the tension, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the already but not yet. He has freed us, but there's still some tension. Like what do we do with that gap? No longer do we fill it with our own works, but we fill it with hope. One commentator on hope said that word that means unshakable surety in the Greek is a dismal longing in the English. <laughs> we say hope and we just use it in all sorts of kind of ways. But the hope that he's referring to is a hope that's unshakable. And that's the hope that we have in Christ. Because we have experienced the freedom he has already given us. And we know that even when there is tension in the here and now, even when we fail and fall short and wake up ourselves and feel a little bit in slavery, we know the solution is not to strive more or to work harder, but the solution is to hope in Christ because Christ is the one who's given us righteousness already. What does it say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? For he who knew no sin became sin, so that through him we might become the righteousness, the goodness of God. What's it say in 1 Peter 2? He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. There is a righteousness which he gives us. And now anything that we're lacking, we hope in him to fill it rather than strive for it. So some of us have natural desires and we're like, I know, and, like the re and the reason we're putting ourselves back in slavery, I believe, is because we see this gap between what God has kind of told us or where he's leading us to and where we are. But what I want to tell you today, family, is do not be discouraged. The answer is not to work harder or to strive more. The answer is to hope in the one who has already proven himself faithful because he has died on a cross, but he didn't stay dead. He got up again. That's where the hope is. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. Verse 6. For, and this will free you if you let it. All right? For in Christ Jesus, circumcision nor circumcision has any value. I know we read it, there's some cultural stuff, so you're not like, yes! I knew it. It doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? But, but this is an incredibly powerful statement right here. Because what he's saying is, what he's saying is, Paul's literally saying, every human claim of significance has lost its value because of what Christ has done. Let me say it in the back in case you didn't hear me. Every human claim of significance or value where people are trying to assign that, all that's lost its significance because of what Jesus has done for us. 
So now uncircumcision and circumcision has no value. What's he saying? He's saying the chains are off, family. No longer is your value based on whatever your boss going to say about you. No longer is your value based on what someone says about your marital status. No longer is your value based on what you see your bank account read. No longer is your value based in how your coworkers might be looking at you. No longer is your value based in any of that. None, circumcision or uncircumcision has no value anymore. And now we have free, listen, this is what's beautiful about the Bible. Now we have freedom to move in kind of any direction we want, knowing that no matter what we do, we're going to do it for the love of God and the goodness of what he's put in us. You know what I'm saying? I said last service, like, you can get with this or you can get with that. You know what I'm saying? You can get with this or that. You know what I'm saying? Where's that? Like, you can go in any direction in freedom. Like, like do you want to live free? Like, that's the idea. And he says it later in this passage in chapter 5. Now, this isn't a freedom to do licentiousness and, and, to, and to use your freedom to indulge the flesh. He says, the only, what's he say at the end of this, this verse? He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And many people are going to come up here and preach a love sermon like it's a work sermon. Like, you got to go love them. You got to go do this. But he says what counts is faith expressed like you're so filled up on faith and grace and freedom that love just flows out. Amen. So let me hit you with this last illustration, really for my parents out there who raise young kids. Uh, you know, we raise, we got four kids, all of them are young. So we've gone through lots of seasons where we had those like, uh, those pouches with the, the um, like applesauce-like stuff in there. What are they called? Squeezies? Yeah, squeezies. I don't even know what they're called. These are squeezies, you know what I'm saying? And they're like crazy flavors. It's like spinach, blueberry, and carrots. Like nothing you would ever want to do for yourself, but supposedly it's got all nutritional value, so you won't give it to your kids, right? So like we good. And there's lots of times, you know, they, they're, they're good on the go. So our kids would be hungry, and they'd be wanting one, so you throw it in the back, and you're like, you, you think they're going to eat it, but instead you look back, and instead of eating it, they have just, who, who knows what I'm about to say, they just squeezed it all over themselves. And you're like, why did you do that? I gotta change your outfit, it's just a mess. But anyways, when I say this, here's why I say it. It's because that thing, when it's squeezed, what happens is the what is natural is what is inside comes out naturally. It doesn't have to fight to come out, it's just squeezed and that's what comes out. When this text says faith expressing itself in love, it's saying that when we are so filled up on freedom and we're so filled up on faith and we're so filled up on grace and we so understand the gospel that what's natural is when we get squeezed, what expresses itself out from us is love. And so the freedom we get to live into is unlike any other freedom because this freedom doesn't come chiefly from striving and working and saying, I'm going to be a better Christian tomorrow and I'm going to fight to live more. No, no, it's enjoying what has already been won for you and living into what has been won for you. So now you get to express love freely and joyfully. It is living that thank you life, I get to life, that abundant life. Don't you want to live free? Don't you want to live free today? I just want to encourage you to have the courage to maybe explore some areas of your life where you might be living in bondage, adding to Christ, and take that to God 
and see what he might do. Watch him do what he has always done. Destroy legalism, destroy sin, destroy death, destroy, destroy bondage, and break you through to a new life in Christ. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we just thank you that it is for freedom that you have set us free. And we pray right now over all of us that we would indeed stand firm then and not be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We pray we would confess all areas of our life where we are looking to someone or something else to give us our value, worth, and dignity. We pray we would throw that down at the altar and run towards you in joy and grace and live into the fullness which you have won for us. This is the fullness we don't strive for. This is the fullness we walk freely in. We dance in. We celebrate in. We raise our hands in. We get on our knees in because, man, we just free in you. You're good to us, and we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. May we just have, again, our mind expanded to grab hold of how good you are. Just even our next little bit of time together. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.